hid his life as a young man. So Pastor Andrew Kabbalah is from our church. He's from our Oxford Falls campus. He travels the globe all year, ministering, preaching the word, seeing thousands upon thousands of lives touched, transformed and saved and many, many people receiving mighty healings. He is a mighty man of God. He's here with his wife, Janine. They are a power couple doing a great thing for the Lord. Can we welcome him to our stage here this morning? Hey, man. Come on, let's give God a big, big clap before we sit down. Come on, Silver Water. We can do a little bit better than that. He's the King of Kings. And the Lord of Lords, in Jesus' name, amen. Come on, have a seat. Turn to somebody and say, I like Andrew already. Just prophesy, prophesy that over me. Anyway, amen. Thanks, worship team. Didn't they do good? Isn't Kathy amazing? Come on, let's give the worship team a big hand and thank them for absolutely amazing. Well, it's great to be here on this very warm Man, it was a little bit hard getting out of bed. Who found it a little bit challenging, that first step, when you're thinking, man, I could have stayed here, but the faithful, the faithful came to church today, and I'm believing that amazing things are going to happen for you. It is wonderful to be here. We love your pastors, Pastor Natalie. Who loves Pastor Natalie? Who loves Pastor Hartley? I think Hartley is one of the greatest men of God, always positive, always thinking big, always just every time you're around him, he's encouraging you, his smile lights up the room, who thinks Hartley's got the best smile? But who knows that Natalie is just a little bit nicer? I mean, everybody loves Natalie, and I I honestly believe that Natalie has just got also an incredible ministry gift uh, prophetically. And also, um, uh, just with her leadership ability, you know, I, I've often said and continue to believe that Natalie is going to travel the planet, preaching the gospel, seeing people saved, miracles, prophesying to kings, and, uh, and seeing great things. Let's give it up for your pastors and just thank them for everything they've done. I'm traveling today with my wife, Janine. It's like a date for me. Um, honestly, I'm away 48 weekends a year, traveling the world. Last year, we saw over 11,000 people come to Christ in Sunday services. Normally, people, normal people clap, but feel free not to. That's like, oh, yeah, who, who cares? But not only that, we saw thousands of people healed and received their breakthrough. And, you know, I love this topic, Reality Bites, when, and I want to share on that. Uh, today, but I do want to thank Janine uh, for for following the call of God on her life and investing into Cambodia, helping girls getting out of uh, sexual slavery. We go there four times a year um, and help these girls get out of there. And we've seen an amazing breakthrough actually with all these uh, people. You know, 80% of girls who are rescued currently go back to the brothel, but we've had around 98% success rate of the girls that we've worked with have gone through the SS Voice program, remaining safe. So um, it's a pretty big moment for us to do that. So pray with us, pray for us as we travel and uh, minister. We're excited about what God's going to do. Janine has got her amazing story of when reality bites. 
uh, called The Pathway to Freedom. Janine was sexually abused at the age of eight. Um, because of that, um, you know, where she was growing up, she had anorexia, bulimia, um, and was tormented by these voices. Voices are real in our heads. You know that, don't you? It's not just make-believe. The devil talks to us. And he tells you, you're not going to succeed, you're not going to achieve, you're not going to be pretty. Um, it would be my uh, goal that every girl, every mum, every daughter would get hold of this story. Because, you know what, we are all, all affected with our self-image. But God showed Janine keys that when reality hits us, God can make a way for us. And can put strategy and breakthrough around your life to see a miracle take place. Then um, I've got my story out there, how I was healed of leukemia. I'm going to talk a little bit about that today. Moving mountains, living in the miraculous. And, um, the, and the only other thing, one of the other things I want to mention is that right here in the Silverwater campus on the 1st of September, we are running a conference called Healed. Healed is an event uh, not just about healing, but living in the Holy Spirit been filled with the Holy Spirit. The disciples were filled more than once. I think there are a few conferences in the world today where you would come and somebody is going to place their hand on you and you're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit again to be prophesied over, to be ministered to. There's lots of talking, but you know, I was brought up in the old days. Who knows the old days? I was brought up, I was brought up in the old days when you would be when the power of God was so strong that you would fall down under the, under the power of God and miracles would happen in people's lives, there, there, the time clock would stop because the presence of God would be so strong. Last year we were here, I remember Kathy was singing and I was just undone. I didn't even know if I could speak. The presence of God was so strong in this place as we had created an altar and, the, and then Benny Perez spoke and it was, it was powerful. This year we're running it on Thursday night Friday night, all day Saturday, and Saturday night. The reason I'm doing Thursday night and Friday night is for people who are working. There's no point running a conference all day Thursday, all day Friday, and, and nobody turning up. Who knows what that's about? But I reckon uh, on Friday night, we're going to have Phil Pringle come and minister. I've already told Pastor Phil. I said, Pastor Phil, I want you to prophesy, and I want you to lay hands on people. He's totally into it. Then we've got John Cameron, who's already uh, the fastest-growing church in New Zealand um, over... 12,000 people now in New Zealand, and he's coming uh, on, on Saturday, on Friday night, all day Saturday, ministering, and we've got Natalie Taylor coming and ministering, <laughs> Janine Kabbalah um, coming ministering, and then, you know, this other good-looking guy as well, uh, myself, and, um, but the reason I'm doing this is not just that we have a good Holy Ghost party, we need miracles, and who knows that the world is absolutely in financial and moral decay. Nobody knows what's happening. And I'm telling you right now, and I'm prophesying, you are going to need miracles of finance, miracles of provision, miracles of health, just miracles of salvation for friends and families, miracles. The Holy Spirit is going to have to be available for us, and we're going to have to know Him and experience Him. And if we don't take time to be filled and continually filled and learn and glean and stuff like this, this is going to be a lost art for us. And we're going to need a miracle but not know how to pull it down into our life. 
And so this is what this conference is about. It's $140, but today we're giving it a half price special for $70 because I want everybody in Silverwater to come. I do. If you're a pensioner or if you're a student, it's 50 today. And I think that's a pretty good deal. I'm trying to help you. If you can just go over to the registration desk today only, fill it out. We'll help you ask any questions. And some people are traveling from New Zealand already. We've got quite a few people traveling over there. We're almost half full already. And this is the only second week we've advertised it. So how cool is that? Oh, I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited. Anyway, um, before I continue, you know, one of the great stories for me was when reality bit for me was when I was just new to church. One of my youth pastors decided that they were going to have a, a, a Christmas celebration, and in that Christmas celebration, she wrote on one, a $1 bill. Do you remember the days when you had a $1 bill? Anybody remember a $1 bill? Come on, give me a wave, be honest. Like, man, I can't believe that nobody was waving. Are you being honest? Who remembers the $1 bill? Come on. Are, are you, you, you must be 16. This guy. And they wrote on a scripture, Psalm 116, 118, verse 5. Let me read it to you. Um, it's, it's, on the, it's on the screen too. You know, it's a, it's a great verse. It says, In my anguish I cried to the Lord, and he answered me by setting me free. The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? The Lord is with me in my help. I will look, um, I will look in triumph on my enemies. It's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. You know, it was a, when this lady put the scriptures, maybe 30 scriptures, uh, 30 different $1 bills, that was as big as the youth ministry was, and we were to put our hand in the pot and pull out the $1 bill. And so this $1 bill was an amazing thing for me because at that time I had had leukemia. And I don't know if you've ever done this, you've gone home and you've opened your Bible at a, just a random spot, and that was the psalm that was there, Psalm 118. For all the years that I had leukemia, I had kept that $1 bill. That was the one verse that got me through. When they were giving me radiotherapy, chemotherapy, when they were doing all these other manner of treatments to me, that was the verse that I kept on praying. You know, 25 years later, I still have that $1 bill. Still in my wallet today, I've got that $1 bill. And I really believe that that was a verse for me, that God would look after me. Don't fear, man. It's going to be okay. You know, it's an amazing moment when you're 13 years old, full of life, full of excitement, brought up in a Catholic background, and finding that you're now diagnosed with leukemia. No child wants to experience that. No child deserves to experience that. Probably as a 13-year-old, not fully knowing or fully understanding the enormity of what I was going to face. I remember my dad telling me, my mum telling me, the first and only time I'd seen my dad cry was that day when he told me that I had cancer. I remember thinking, this is a bad moment. For, for dad to cry, it must be very bad. 
I don't know about you where you've had a bad word spoken over your life or a bad situation, whether it be a sickness or a breakdown in your marriage or uh, something terrible happening to somebody else and you're thinking, why is this happening to me? Why is this happening to people around me? Here I am, 13 years old, two, first two weeks, I was in a little isolation unit. Nobody could hear and nobody could hear out. My mum and dad looked like Star Wars figures, all dressed in gowns and masks. And I didn't know who was who when they came to visit me unless they spoke because they were so gowned up by these things because it's not leukemia that normally kills you. It's an infection of something else, like a common cold or, or, or something like that. So to protect you, that's what they would do. I remember having two weeks of massive doses of chemotherapy, which just basically makes you sick. After two weeks of chemotherapy, losing my hair and vomiting just about all the time, I remember this one night, in the middle of the night, yelling at God. Have you ever yelled at God and said that you're actually really upset about this moment? I remember yelling at God and saying, God, how come you're killing me? Have you ever thought that? How come... I'm dying in a hospital. Have you ever asked God those questions? Why is this happening to me? Why is this, the realization, the bite of realization, that this reality, this is my reality now. I am sick. I'm dying. Why are you doing this to me? Why are you tormenting me? All I've done is stole 50 cents and swear a few times. I'm not a bad kid. I don't deserve this. And then... And isn't it true, when I was thinking about this, I remember a song in my Sunday school days in my little Catholic church about a God that would open blind eyes and deaf people would hear. It's amazing how we do hear voices. The devil says to us that he's come to kill, rob, destroy our life, but God has come that you'd have life and life in all of its abundance. And those two things are always at war. The devil does not want you to win. He does not want you to be blessed. He does not want you to achieve in life. He wants you to remain the same, beaten up, broken, and depressed. He wants you to remain away from God and never receive a miracle. Never receive the power of God in your life. I remember thinking to myself, if God created the heavens and the earth, if God can open blind eyes and deaf people can hear, and if he is real, hello, And that is the big question for us. Actually, is God real for us? Do we believe that God can do what he needs to do in our lives? And I remember as a 13-year-old, and nobody had told me, nobody had showed me, nobody, I didn't know about Pentecost or the Holy Spirit or anything. I remember lifting up my hands and saying, God, I won't sleep around like my brother sleep around. It's funny that I knew that was wrong, even though nobody told me it was wrong. In fact, it was more celebrated than, than in my family than like a bad thing. Uh, I said to God, I said, God, I won't drink like my brothers drink. <laughs> my brothers, two of my brothers are recovering alcoholics. My other brother, I think, still is an alcoholic. My family is tormented by this thing, and I knew as a 13-year-old it was wrong. 
The Bible says that he gives us the ability to know right from wrong. So, as I began to bargain with God, and by the way, have you ever done that? Oh, don't go quiet on me, church. You might as as well be honest. Haven't we all done that? I remember saying, God, I will go wherever you tell me to go, and I will say whatever you've told me to say. (laughs) And I didn't know that there was a call of God on my life to be an evangelist, to travel the world. And here I am speaking to God for the first time with passion, with, with, with um, conviction, asking him for help. You know, Psalm 121, verse 1, it says, I lift up my eyes to the Lord, to the mountains, because this is where my help comes from. When reality bites, friends, when there's no other way, where are you going to look? I love the psalmist because he says, I lift up my eyes. You know, friends, this is the truth. If I could lift for you, I would do it, but I can't. Something inside of me decided as a 13-year-old with nobody showing me, nobody telling me, but something stirring inside of me saying, you know what, this cannot be my forever. Something has to shift for me. 13, broken, no here, vomiting, all by myself in the middle of the night, God, you have to intervene. I remember, and it's hard to explain, but maybe not so much now. In New Zealand, we have this thing called an electric blanket. <laughs> it gets colder in New Zealand than even here. It can get minus 10. And I remember I was a young boy going home after playing with my friends, having supper, hopping into your jam jams, your pajamas, and your mum would have turned the electric blanket on full. It would have been on that for about half an hour, and as you hop into those sheets, an amazing feeling takes place. <laughs> that feeling of, oh, you know, it's a, you know, it's just, it felt so good. Denise won't let me have an electric blanket. She says she is the electric blanket, so it's no, no longer a reality for me. When I prayed that prayer, when I was 13, and the only way I can explain it, is I felt this warmth come all over me. I knew it was special. All these years later, I still remember. I remember the feeling. I remember lying there and going, I don't know what just happened, but something happened to me. I didn't tell anybody because I didn't know. I just knew that something had happened. I was like, I remember being in my room going, that's awkward, isn't it? Like, what's that? Like, you know, within a few weeks, I was in remission, which means I can't find the cancer anymore. Uh, I became a test case uh, for Seattle, which is the world's largest uh, cancer ward in the world, um, because they were finding, trying to find out how I was, why I was doing so well. 
You see, I was brought up in a traditional church. I didn't know about big church like this. I wonder if I can have, where's the clock? Is the clock supposed to be up there? Right there, good man. I didn't know about um, about, uh, this kind of church. You see, when you went to church, my church, everybody was quiet. You know, the guy at the front, he'd kind of tell you what God was thinking, and I'd be happy with that. I would just live my life. And isn't that true that we forget God's goodness to us? I mean, I would go to church, actually, when I was about 14 years old, I made an appointment with the priest. And I said to the priest, he said, what are, you, what are you here for? I said, I'm thinking I'm going to be a priest. And he said, no, you should, be, you should get married and have kids. He said, God's got something else for you. And I remember just being so disappointed. I wanted a relationship with God, but I just didn't know how to get it. When I was 15 years old, I was smoking drugs with two of my school teachers. I was a naughty kid, getting drunk with my friends. That, was, that became my reality because of the culture that I was around. A, a pretty girl asked me to go to church, go to, go to a youth group, and I thought, well, what a brilliant reason. I thought she was asking me on a date. So I said, yes, I'm going to go. So I would go to church, uh, go to this youth group. I remember the very first day, I, I could not believe my eyes. There were three more attractive girls in this youth group. I, you know, I thought, this is awesome. And um, I didn't care what they talked about. They could have been Muslim or... You know, I, you know, I was, I was happy. You know, these people were nice to me and feeding me, and and you know, I had my hair back and things were going okay. And they said, um, the youth pastor says, Andrew, do you want to become a Christian? I said, not really. I said, why not? And I said, well, I, you know, I go to go to mass every Sunday. And he said, just because you go to McDonald's every day doesn't make you a hamburger. And he said, just because you go to church doesn't make you a Christian. I completely disagreed with that. I thought if you went to church, you were in. That's what I was told. He said, Andrew, have you ever sinned? I went, no. <laughs> you know, I hadn't murdered anybody yet or, you know, done the bad things. And he said, Andrew, how would you go with the Ten Commandments? Now, I'm thinking, I'm going to score an eight out of the ten. Like, I would do pretty good. You know, like, I've, you know, so, I, yeah, let's go through them. He said, have you ever lied? I went, no. <laughs> well, only small ones. And, uh, you know, and in New Zealand, if you've got your fingers crossed while you tell lies, it doesn't count either. Have you, have you heard that? Have you heard that? And, and it's got a biblical reference because it's the cross of Jesus. And so if you've got, anyway, um, don't quote me on that. Now, he said, how many white ones before it's a real one? I said, well, just one. And he says, so what are you? I said, a liar. And he goes, yes, you are. And I said, well, that's not very nice. So I thought you Christians are supposed to be nice, and now you're saying I'm a liar, and that's a bit offensive. He said, Andrew, have you ever stolen anything? I said, well, yes, of course. He said, so what are you? I'm trying to help him now. So I said, well, I'm a stealer. He goes, no, you're a thief. I said, what? Is this an English lesson? What are we, what, where are we going with this? He said, Andrew, have you ever committed adultery? I said, I'm 15. 15, committing adultery is having sex with a married person. I haven't even had my first kiss yet. And so we're jumping a few loops. You know what I'm talking about. And I said, no, I have not. And I thought, well, there's one. And um, 
And he, he said to me, Andrew, the Bible says if you look lustfully at a woman, you commit adultery in your heart. Have you ever done that? I said, sure. Her and her and her and her and her. <laughs> you know, basically, the whole youth group. And <laughs> of the female side, <laughs> we've got to say that these days. And um, he said, well, Andrew, God is holy. You are not. And he said, and sin, sin separates us from God. And isn't that true? Sin separates us from God. We come to church sometimes and we can't lift our hands. <laughs> Why? Why can't we? Because what happened last night. Because how we acted last week. And sin has separated us from God. That's another message. And so he said to me, Andrew, you can pray a prayer and ask God to come into your life. He can forgive you of your sin, and you can have a relationship with him. Now, I was Catholic. I knew that God could forgive me. But I, what I didn't know is that God was interested in having a relationship with me. And for me, you might as well have been talking a completely different language. I was like, wow, honestly. Something inside of me is like, wow. I remember praying this prayer in front of all my unsaved friends because I told them about these pretty girls. And so they're all there. And I said, God, today, today I'm asking you into my life. Forgive me for any wrong. Help me live for you every day in your presence. I remember. Just like I was in that hospital room and that warmth came all over me. I remember praying that prayer. And God doing something special in my life. I'm amazed how a 30-second pray, prayer can change your whole life. This doesn't have to be your reality, friend. The, the way that you're feeling, the sadness perhaps you've been confronted with, doesn't have to be your reality. The reality is that by His stripes we are healed. The reality is that God has got something special for you. The reality is that God wants to bless you. He wants to have a relationship with you. In fact, it says and even more abundantly than you would possibly even think, dream, or imagine. God wants you to be blessed. You know, it was only six months after that that the leukemia came back. <laughs> I thought when you became a Christian, everything would go your way. I thought the girls would just fall at your feet. <laughs> your money would just come down from heaven. I just, I just thought when you become a Christian, that's how it would be. But you know what? The first time, I blamed God. The second time, I embraced Him. I remember saying, God, it's just you and me. We're just going to go through this. Did I have dark days? Yes, I did. I remember the, and this is trying not to be too complicated, but they normally put the chemotherapy through your, through your um, veins and, uh, and into your spinal fluid in your back. But they decided that I would be one of the first people in New Zealand to have it directly into the center of your brain. They chopped a hole in my head and they put a tube in my, in my brain. When they gave me the chemotherapy through my brain, I'd be paralyzed on my right-hand side. Um, I'd be screaming in pain of spinal migraines, spinal migraines. I'd soil the bed. For three hours, it would pretty much last. When they operated on me, they were running out of time. And so instead of doing it in a general anesthetic, they'd done it under local anesthetic, so I was awake when I had brain surgery. It was a little bit awkward, to say the least, 
And although the oil was heavily sedated, do you know one thing I never left was my $1 bill. I remember the nurse holding my hand. Sorry, it's coming back to me. And I said, in my distress, I prayed to the Lord. He rescued me. He is for me. How can I be afraid? The nurse prayed it with me. I don't know if she was a church person or not, but she held my hand as we prayed that prayer a thousand times over as they operated on me. You know, I had a bone marrow transplant. I did all these amazing things, and through complications, I was diagnosed to be terminal. But you know who came to visit me? After my Catholic priest came and gave me my last rites, after my mum and dad told me that I wasn't going to live, is these beautiful little youth pastors came with their Bible. I remember them smiling, walking into my room. I thought, what have you been doing watching a good movie? And they said, you know what? We believe we've got a different report. We believe that God can heal you. We believe that this can turn around, even in this 11th hour. Friend, I'm so glad that I had a church that believed that something could turn for me. In your darkest moment, friend, don't hide from God. Run to God. Don't come to church just on your best day. Come to church on your worst day as well. Because when you don't believe, we'll believe for you. We'll stand with you. We'll hold your hands. We'll pray and believe God for your son's health, your daughter's health. We'll believe that that house will be sold. We'll believe for a miracle for your business. We'll believe for everything. Because we know that God wants to prosper you. A miracle happened for me. I was, again, became very popular around the world because my leukemia, which they said was not able to be healed, now was in remission and that God had done a great thing for me. Most people clap at that point, but feel free. What if the worship team could come and join me? Isn't God good? Isn't he kind? You know, tonight, today, I'd like to pray for people. I'd like to pray for your miracle and for your breakthrough. You know, I love the psalmist, as I quoted before, where it says, I lift up my eyes to the Lord, because this is where my help comes from. It comes from the maker of heaven and earth. You know, often we want God to help us. Isn't it true? We want a miracle for us or for our family members. We want something special, intervention. But I often think that sometimes we're asking God for help, but we don't know him. We're asking God for intervention, but we're not walking with him. You know, somewhere in your life, you're going to have to be honest. Somewhere in your life, you have to look in the mirror and just say, how am I doing? How am I going? I mean, is this really a game where you're playing hide and seek with the Lord? Or if you're saying, you know, you know what, this cannot be my forever. I'm going to have to be honest. I'm not walking with God right now, but something can change for you. A moment, a prayer. And before we pray for people's miracles, I want to pray for the condition of our soul, that our soul would be well, so that we can be connected to God, so that sin doesn't separate us any longer, so we can have a relationship with God. Somebody prayed that for me all those years ago. And now today, I've got the honor to pray it for you. I'm going to explain what's going to happen right now so you don't feel tricked or, you know, manipulated in any way. That's not the purpose of today. 
But in a moment, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. Why? Because when you close your eyes, everything disappears. But your soul and your thoughts are illuminated. Isn't that true? And I want you to ask this question to your soul. Am I in relationship with God? It's a fair question. It's an honest question. It's just you and God talking. And I want you to listen to God's response. I know as soon as you pray that prayer, truly, God will talk to you. I mean, there may not be an audible voice booming down from heaven, but certainly, certainly there would be a stirring, a prompting inside of you. And, 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 that, and, and doing that, there'll be other voices. The devil doesn't want you to be, become a Christian or have a miracle take place in your life. He'll say to you, don't do it. Don't you stretch. You tell him, no, today's about me, my life, my miracle. Something's going to turn for me push through. Be honest with yourself. Be honest with your soul. Let something shift. What's it going to take for you to turn to Him? As you ponder that thought, I'm going to pray for you. The end of the prayer. If you're saying, Andrew, today I'm away from God. Maybe you're rededicating your life to the Lord. Or maybe for the very first time praying this prayer. Saying, Jesus, I want you to come into my life. Forgive me. Help me live for you. I'm going to ask you just to lift up your hand just where you are. I'm going to see your hand. Ask you to put it down. Then all together, we're going to pray that prayer out loud so you don't feel alone or embarrassed. I'd love to pray for you personally because it's a big deal. And if you allow me to do that, I would love to do that. But right now, come on, even for some people, this would be a hard thing, but you've come this far. Why don't you just close your eyes, take that moment, and just say, God, speak to my soul. Am I in relationship with you? <laughs> it's an honest, it is an honest prayer. God will talk to you. As you're thinking about that, let me pray for you. God, I thank you for those people who are here for the first time second time, maybe visiting from another church. Saying, Andrew, it's true. I know about God, but if I'm honest, I'm not in relationship with Him. You know, when I was thinking about this morning, I felt like there are numerous people saying, this cannot be my forever. I cannot have another year like last year. Something has to turn. Reality really has bitten hard. And I need a miracle. God's the answer, friend. Maybe you hear you saying, Andrew, it is sin that's separating me from God. It is a wrong relationship. Perhaps a secret sin that nobody else would know about, but for we know that God sees everything. Maybe you hear you say, Andrew, if I was to face death like you had to as a teenager, if I was to walk out of this room perhaps and get hit by a car, stand before God, I don't know if I'd be in heaven or hell. There'd be a fear and uncertainty around that moment, but would you pray with me so I can have a relationship with God, walk in that relationship, have an assurance of my salvation? Come on, friend. If that's you, you're one of those categories, just lift up your hand just right now. I'll see it. I want to pray for you. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Who else is saying, Andrew, that's me? Something has to turn. Thank you. Who else is saying, Andrew, that's me? Something's going to shift for me. This cannot be my forever. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Who else is saying, Andrew, something's going to turn. Something's shifting for me. This cannot be my forever. I actually need God's intervention. And I know I'm away from God. 
friend, when are you going to be honest? What's it going to take? What's going to stir in your life? What does God have to do? Will you lift? Will you give God this moment? Give God a chance to break through in your life, to see a miracle. Come on, friend. Who else? You're saying, Andrew, that's me. I need a miracle. Thank you. Thank you. Who else? Come on, friend. Who else? You're saying, that's me. How hard is it to pray a prayer? How hard is it to be honest, to lift your hand, to give God a moment? Is there one more person? Maybe you're sitting here thinking, should I, shouldn't I? Fred, how do you think the devil's going to come? Do you think he's going to stand before you right now in a red suit holding some form of pitchfork? No, he's going to whisper to you. He's going to say, don't you do it. Don't you listen to him. Not today. Give God this window. Give him an opportunity. Is there somebody else? I saw that hand over there. Thank you. Who else? You're saying, Andrew, that's me. That's me. I'm going to lift. I'm going to give God this moment. How good is God? Would you give Him an opportunity? Can you lift your hand? Can you pray a prayer? Thank you. I see that hand. Who asked? Who asked you saying, Andrew, that's me? Can you lift your hand? Will you do it? Is it too hard? Is it too hard? When are you going to be honest? When, 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 when? If not today, when? Is there one more person? I know there is. That's why I'm waiting. I'm just waiting, waiting, waiting. Your soul's way too important. Who else is saying, Andrew, that's me? Thank you, sweetheart. Every person that lifted your hand, or maybe you didn't, but you know you shouldn't. Could you lift it just one more time so I can see? I don't want to miss anybody. Can you lift it so I can see? Just high enough so I can see. Just lift your hand so I can see. Let me, I'm going to count, so I, I want to make sure I don't miss anybody. If, you, if you're going to lift, now's the time. One, two, three, four, five, six. At least six. Maybe, maybe seven. Come on, let's give God a big hand even just for doing that. Isn't God good? Hey, listen. I know Silverwater is the friendliest church out of all the C3 churches because you've got the best pastors in the world. And you know, as we pray, as I said before, all together we're going to pray this prayer. But I know this to be true. If you're new to church, or sometimes you just need a, a friend to smile at you, say, hey, listen, if you want to come and pray this prayer, I'll come with you. That's what a, that's what a friend does, huh? Just turn. So, hey, listen, if you want to come, I'll come with you. Seven people lifted their hands. As I said, all together we're going to pray this prayer, but I'd like to pray this prayer with you. Down the front, I'd like to meet you, shake your hand, because I believe that this prayer is going to last for eternity. And not to put weight on it would be a, a miss. And so we want to do it. Why don't we all stand? Turn to your friend. Say, listen, if you want to come, I want you to come with me. And we're going to sing a chorus just quickly. And if people come, 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 come. I want to meet you down the front. Then you slip out of your seat, come down the front. It'll be great. Come on, let's give people a big, big hand as they come. If you want to come, come. That's what I'm saying. If you want to come, come. Thank you. Good job. If you want to come, 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 come. If you want to come, come. Good on you, man. Thank you for coming. Thank you for responding. 
Thank you for responding. It's going to be good. Hey, buddy. Amen. Good job, buddy. Fred. Did anybody else want to come? So good. Hey, Donald. Hey, how you doing? So good. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's all pray this prayer together. Come on, church. Dear Lord Jesus, this morning, I'm asking you into my life. Come on, church, pray. I'm asking you into my life. Today, forgive me for any wrongs, for any sin, because I know you died on a cross to take away the sin of the world. Take away my sin. Today, I am a new creation, a child of God, in Jesus' name. Now let me pray for you, God. I thank you for every person standing in this altar. God, bless them. God, move powerfully in their life. God, I pray that this feeling, God, of salvation is going to last for eternity. God, that there will be miracles and miracles and miracles upon them. God, I pray in Jesus' name, your favor, your blessing in Jesus' name. Everything's about to change. Everything's about to turn around in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, give God a big clap, church. Isn't he good? Amen, amen. We've got some beautiful people standing with you. They're going to give you a Bible or help you in any way possible and pray with you one more time. Come back into the service. I'm going to be here praying for miracles just when we close in just a moment, and that'll be wonderful. Would it be all right if I prayed for your pastors today? Who reckons that Hartley and, Nut and Natalie are the best? Come on, can I pray for you guys? I just want to pray for you. Janine, join me up here. I feel like I had a word and a half delivered it and um, felt backslidden, so I'm going to do it properly in Jesus' name. Father, in the name of Jesus, stretch out your hands to your pastors right now. Speak in tongues. Ask God's blessing over their life in Jesus' name. God, I thank you, Lord, that this is the day that the Lord has made. They're going to rejoice and be glad in it. Miracles after miracles after miracles will fall on their life in Jesus' name. And I felt like the Lord say to me as I drove into the service today that there is a new house coming your way. I see, I see prosperity falling around your life in Jesus' name. Hardly over your life, I see promotion and promotion and promotion. God described it to me as elevation. He said he's going to elevate you, elevate you spiritually. He's going to elevate you with authority and miracles are going to fall through your hands. And God, I pray in Jesus' name for healing in his bones, healing in his life in Jesus' name. Miracles in Jesus' name. Miracles in the name of Jesus. All over his life, miracles. Miracles. Miracles in Jesus' name. God, I prophesy miracles. Miracles. Miracles in the name of Jesus. I come against the devil and all his works bind and break his power. This is the day. This is the season of the miraculous in Jesus' name. God, we thank you, Lord, right now. Right now, in Jesus' name. Hardly as I stand here, I see you preaching the gospel. I see you in a foreign country. Actually, you're standing thinking, I don't even know how I got there. But it'll be the will of God. And it'll be a sweet spot. 
I see hands going up all around you. Hundreds, thousands of people coming to Christ and you're laughing at the goodness of God. I see you in charge of like missions. I see, I see a burden for that actually, even as a child, the burden for the lost is going to become fresh and anew again in Jesus' name. Natalie, I see, I see a signature. I see signatures, people inviting you all over the world. I see, I see, I see the letters being sent. And I feel like God is anointing you as a prophet, anointing you as a voice. Do not be dismayed, says the Lord. Say everything I tell you. Be bold and courageous. This is the day I have given you, says the Lord. You're going to step into it. You're going to laugh at the goodness of God. Miracles after miracles. I see you speaking to pastors' wives in particular. And I see you bringing a correction. Telling them to trust the Lord. Telling them to have a relationship with God again to go deeper. I see many people who are lonely, who are, who are going to come as, as, alongside you. God's going to bring them alongside. You're going to be a great encouragement. God, I pray in Jesus' name, you bless this church, prosper them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, give God some praise for your pastors. Yeah, oh, you're good to do it. Right, come on, let's sing this song. Thank you, Lord, that even in our time of trouble, our time of our biggest fear,